0: Good morning to everyone. Good to see you out this morning. Uh, we do have our fellowship meal this this morning after the service. Everyone is invited, so please stay and join us uh, for the meal. Um, even if you haven't brought anything, you are definitely welcome to come. Also, remind, you are reminded of the camp. Uh, Return. The camp out returns this year, so you already have opportunity to sign up for that. So please think about that as well in terms of attendance for that. Let us come together in silent meditation. Dan. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, He meditates day and night. Let us turn to number 458, number 458 in the Red Trinity Hymnal. Our great God and Father, we are so thankful that you are the one who by thy spirit brings us to assemble before the throne of grace this very day. We ask, O God, that in the Lord Jesus Christ that we would understand that wonderful gift of sovereign grace given to us that reconciles us in Christ between the Father in heaven and us as the creature. We ask thy spirit to continue to bind us unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And may our voices ring soundly before the throne of grace this day. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. For the revelation of God's will this morning, I would like to turn to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 through 13, our Savior quotes a section of this text in terms of the text that we will be looking at this morning concerning the parable of the sower. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 through 13. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people. And the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stoop remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Great God and Father, we. We need to be reminded of the necessity of repentance, the turning away from sin, the history even within the people of God, those whom thou hast shown your love and grace and mercy to, even rebellion has occurred within the house of the Lord. We ask, O God, that thy word would continue to go forth, for we know that it is not void, it is that which is the truth and it is that which can convict the hearts of men and women to come and to receive that word and to come back home to the word of the Lord. We ask, O oh God, that our hearts would be set, focused, and committed unto thee all the days of our life, and we would not be those who do not understand and whose hearts have become dull. We ask this in the name of thy Son, through the power of thy Spirit. Amen. Turning over to Isaiah chapter 11, 1 through 5. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge in the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, the faithfulness, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Congregation, let us respond by turning to number 91. Number 91, remain seated to sing 9-1. received a call during Sunday school this morning that Melina Demetrova is quite sick. So we will be adding her to our prayers this morning as well. So as the congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, let's come together in prayer. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful that the ministry of thy word goes forth to all the earth, to the ends of the earth this very day. How gracious thou art to hear us and to hear what is upon our hearts, that we have the privilege to come before thee and thou art a God who hears and listens. We do not have an idol who is deaf, cannot speak. We have the one who has created the heavens and the earth. Our hearts are before thee. There are many needs and many things that are upon our own hearts this very day. We ask, O Lord, that you would continue to intercede for us, We thank thee for the Lord Jesus Christ, our high priest, who constantly prays for our needs. We ask, O God, that you would continue to be with the Hokobors. We thank thee for their ministry in Ukraine. The burden that is upon them and their ministry at this time must be enormous. And we ask, O Lord, that you would be with them Give them the wisdom and the knowledge how to serve others and help those who come before them. Give them also the knowledge that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is meeting them in their situation. We thank thee also for home missions in this country. We think of Bill and Margaret Sisko in Deer Park, New York. We're thankful, O Lord, to hear that they have been able to purchase a new building for their home mission work. We ask, O God, that you would give speedy reconstruction of many parts in that building so that they can open worship on Sunday, September 11th. We ask also that you would bless their outreach, outreach in that community. And we also ask, O oh Lord, that they would be able to raise the funds to continue to carry on various phases of their ministry in that building. They also ask for new families and with young children. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would respond to their requests with respect to the growth of that congregation. We ask that you'd continue to bless Andy Elam. We thank thee for his ministry, his heart for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and for his labors there, and may they constantly glorify your name. May his preaching bless the people, and the people themselves would be strengthened into the way of the light of the kingdom of God and the beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you'd be with Kristen Trantham and Melissa Hibbard. We thank thee for the blessing that you have given to them in terms of being with child, and we ask that the children within them would be a wonderful blessing to the continuance of the gospel in the kingdom of God and in the covenantal blessings of our households. We ask, O oh Lord, that you be with Melina. We ask that you be with her through her illness right now. We ask that she would recover, that she would rest today, and things would become back strong and her body would respond faithfully to your intercession for her and on her behalf. We ask that you'd be with John Huntsberger. We ask that you'd be with his ministry today. We're so thankful for his service to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The preparation of the text that he is going to share with those who are in need, may it be edifying and strengthening to them, be with Kathy as he all, she also goes and serves and accompanies, accompanies him. We ask also that you'd be with Diane Biden's brother-in-law, sister, and husband. And we ask that you'd be with them in terms of that they were killed. We ask that you'd be with them and have family Be with Bud and Linda through this time, very difficult time. Be with Diane as well. And we ask, O Lord, that there would be uh, some type of resolution towards this in terms of understanding what went on. But we also ask for the peace and the comfort and and the love that you can pour out to those who are suffering this great loss within that family. We ask that you'd be with Eric and Christy Folkema. We thank thee, O Lord, that they are thy children. And we ask, O God, that you would be with Christy as she now is thinking of her mother constantly, who has had colon cancer surgery. And we ask, O Lord, that you would be with her recovery. We pray also that the pain control would be upon her mother and quick healing would occur upon her. Be with her father as well as he is on hospice. Very difficult times for Christy and for her family. We ask that you'd bless them and watch over them and give them wisdom of how they can serve. We ask that you'd be with Justin and Francis and be with with Justin's ongoing uh, ultrasound technician studies. We ask that that would come to a good end and we ask that he would be provided with a vocation in that regard. Be with Francis and, and Justin and as well concerning their own health issues. Be with Cassie and Matt as Matt is deployed in Kuwait until October. Watch over him, keep him safe. Be with Cassie as she is here alone. We ask, O oh Lord, that they would always know, come to know the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives. We thank thee for Sandra Folkema. We thank thee for her life and the testimony of the gospel that continues to go forth from her. And we ask that you would be with her request today as she also asks, which is upon her heart, about the families and their children, even within this congregation, for many of the children who do not attend church anymore. We ask, O Lord, for the recovery of those children. We know that there is a gospel that addresses the idea of the prodigal son. We ask for these children to return to the covenant blessings that are in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our heart and our passion for that. We ask that you'd also be, continue to be a blessing to her each day as she rejoices in the fellowship of the Lord uh, Of the Lord each day. We ask that you'd be with David Friesen. We thank thee so much for David's restoration of health. We're thankful for his love for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is so evident in terms of what he speaks and says to others. We pray for his son, Travis, and his daughter, Connie. We ask, O oh Lord, that we would see the day, that David would see the day, that they also return to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Place it upon our hearts to pray for them. We ask that you would be with Peter and Megan and Kalina and Wesley and Miles Gardner. We rejoice that Kalina will be having her birthday this week, Tuesday. Bless her. And we thank, they're so thankful for the seven years that they have had her. Continue, O oh Lord, to enable her to grow in her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're also praising Wes for what thou hast done with Wesley in thy providence, and that the school is going well for him but we also are praying for the need of equipment for him that takes him a very long time to get through insurance. We would ask that those barriers would be broken and the equipment would come to him, and they pray that he gets stronger in his walker and that one day he would walk without that walker. We praise your name for what thou hast done in Wesley, and we ask for that day to come quickly. We thank thee for Miles, and he is doing well at home. We ask you to bless him in terms of the extra time now that Megan and Peter are able to give to him. We pray for wisdom in terms of Peter and Megan, in terms of training their children and to teach them to follow the Lord Jesus Christ all the days of their life. We praise God also for the relationships that they have developed in their community and we ask, O oh Lord, that they would have more gospel conversations about their faith and how many can come and even join their church. We also pray for Peter as he teaches Sunday school and also leads a middle school Bible class. And at work, he continues to provide logistic as support. For many in terms of the ongoing literary projects in Africa. Bless his work and may the gospel prosper to others. We ask that you continue to be with Megan and her everyday work in terms of the home, and we thank thee so much for her service to the Lord Jesus Christ. We place all these things before thee, And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ interceding for us has taught us to pray saying, Our Father, who which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us stand and sing 109, number 109. May be seated. Terms of the parable the Sower, Mark four verses 1 through 20 in Mark's edition there. The one subject we have not addressed precisely yet is verses 10 through 12, as we have come to our third message on this parable. So we want to give our attention to those verses in particular uh, this morning. So I'm going to begin in verse 10. So, Mark chapter 4, verse 10, please listen to the holy infallible word of God. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, Everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground and the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises, On account of the word, immediately they fall away, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are thankful for the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, And we're most thankful for his explanation of his own word to us. We're thankful that it is that which lifts our hearts up as believers and that we have the confidence that our belief in him, trust in him, will always be secured. We ask, O Lord, that we would respond in faithfulness to that word this morning. In Christ's name, amen. As we come together this morning to worship the God of the Bible, the God who created the heavens and the earth, how sovereign is Your God. Do you believe that he is in control of all things? That he sustains all things? That he has decreed all things that occur? That he is working out all things according to the purpose of his plan and will? Do you believe that all things are moving by his divine plan and purpose to the day when the 24 elders will kneel before the Lamb of God? The day when the Lamb who was slain for the redemption of his people receives glory, wealth, wisdom, might honor and blessing since he created all things and by whose will all things exist. Why is it so difficult for many who say that they love the God of the Bible and they love their salvation purchased by Christ? And yet they have such a hard time surrendering the control of the creation and their own human will to the independent will of the only God in the entire universe. For doesn't the Christian have the promise that for those who love God All things work together for good for those who are called according to his promise. As Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 28. In our text, we are seeing the amazing grace of God in Christ being worked out according to the will and purpose of God for his kingdom and church before our own eyes and ears. As the evangelical church wrestles with this text, with verses 10 through 12, we want to accent this morning that Jesus continues to present us with the realistic understanding of the ministry of Jesus as well as the church, his church, in a fallen creation. Please open your hearts to engage the words of Jesus here in verses 10 through 12. May you truly be grateful this morning For the free gift of grace and love in Christ in your own life. An abundant, fruitful life of repentance and faith. Allow your eyes and ears to be wide open. Jesus has called you this morning to listen. Remember verse 3. Earlier, chapter 4, verse 3, as he opens the parable, listen, are all of us willing to surrender, deny ourselves, and listen to Jesus? To use Paul's language, are we willing to conform ourselves to the mind of Christ? Well, let's see. Let's see. Congregation, Jesus' explanation for the use of parables has been, in the words of one New Testament scholar, offensive, offensive to many interpreters. Some have said that Jesus' reference to Isaiah here in this text, in this context, is the word he's used. Jesus' reference is terrible. Terrible. These comments come not just from liberal scholars, but sadly from evangelical scholars as well. When I was teaching Bible... In a Christian high school, a prominent British New Testament scholar was studying for a year in the United States. And the Bible teachers in western Michigan, where I was, and also northern Illinois, as well as Chicago, the Chicago area, were invited to a day conference in which this speaker was giving his own understanding of Matthew 13 and the parable of the sower. As you recall, the parable of the sower in Matthew's gospel is in chapter 13, where it is in Mark 4, and also it is in Luke 8. This Anglican evangelical scholar did a good job with Jesus's parable and the explanation of the parable. However, in his lecture, he did not address the content that we find here in Mark 4, 10 through 12. The parallel in terms of what he was lecturing on on that particular morning is Matthew 13, verses 10 through 17. He did not comment on the purpose Jesus gives for teaching and preaching in parables, this glaring absence was noticed by one of the Bible teachers in the audience. He asked the speaker as to why he did not address the purpose Jesus gave for teaching in parables from Matthew thirteen ten through 17, or as we have it in our text, verses 10 through 12. The scholar replied, I'll never forget this, that the reason he did not address those verses was because they teach predestination. And he does not agree with the view of predestination that appears in this text and is accredited to Jesus. Thus, here is one evangelical scholar who is offended by this text and the words assigned to Isaiah and Jesus. What are you thinking as you listen to Jesus this morning? What are you thinking? Are you willing to deny self for the sake of having the mind of Christ For the sake of kneeling before the Lamb of God whose slain body for sin is the only way for reconciliation between the sovereign creator and the sinful creature. Well, I ask you this morning, come into the text, engage the text. When Jesus withdraws from the crowd and is alone, he provides an explanation for the purpose of the parables to his 12 apostles, disciples, and some others that come around him. Verse 10 of our text. You want to notice this. Mark's gospel alone mentions those around him with the twelve, that phrase. In Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel, it only mentions that he's explaining the purpose of the parables to the disciples. But in Mark, there are others who are there. Mark's inclusion of others besides the twelve should not surprise us since Mark is accenting that Jesus himself is the evangelist of good news. Notice there is no mention here that these others are ordained disciples. Rather, these are everyday people who have come around Jesus. Indeed, the kingdom, the church, is made up of the ordained, the twelve in the text, and the laity of God's flock, these others that are in the text. Essentially, you have before you the movement of what is called the visible church to the invisible church. The visible church is addressed invert in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 4 the very large crowd hearing the parable of the sower on the other hand the invisible church is addressed in chapter 4 verses 10 through 20 those who are essentially elect elect in Christ those who are understood as Jesus brother Sister and mother who truly are doing the will of God. Remember the transitional verse, chapter 3, verse 35, going into the parables. These are the people who will truly live by the power of the Holy Spirit. They are not people who live the life of blasphemy in rejecting the faith or leaving the faith. This is illustrated in the first three illustrations in the parables. Nor are they guilty of the eternal unforgivable sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, perhaps the scribes. These people who have come around Jesus will come to know and understand that the supernatural and the spiritual religion of heavenly divine revelation has invaded their lives in the person of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. They are transformed to such a degree that the cursed ground is now good soil upon which they now stand. Soil in the natural world that produces willing obedience in the righteousness of their Savior and the word of God. You've got it, right? The produce, the produce of the natural world is a fruitful harvest of righteous obedience in the lives of those who truly pursue and do the will of God. Good works applied to our hearts by the Spirit of Christ. And we must not lose our way here, can we? The good works, that is, doing the will of God is not being shaped by a cultural agenda, a social justice agenda. Nothing of that has even closely appeared in these first four chapters of Mark. Rather, the agenda is set, the agenda is the good news. Of the kingdom of God. Arriving in the person and work of Jesus. In which the focus is the gospel of God. Unto repentance and faith. In Jesus a person. The spiritual and the natural for Mark and Jesus. Meets in the gospel message of salvation for sinners. Remember. What is the focus of the parable of the sower? The first sermon with actual content in Mark's gospel. The focus is upon the sower. The sower. Jesus. Jesus. And what he sows, his eternal, secured, Word of truth. That's it. And with respect to this glorious salvation message, some will be given the secret of the kingdom of God and some will not. Verse 11 of the text. Congregation. You cannot be offended by Jesus quoting Isaiah chapter 6, 9 through 10. You cannot view Jesus' quotation of Isaiah as terrible, as terrible. These are the words of Jesus. The son of God, the son of man, the sower of the word. These are the words of Isaiah, whom the Lord had the seraphim take a, the burning coal from the altar and touched his mouth, saying, behold, this has touched your lips Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 7. With this action, the Lord asks Isaiah, Who will I send to disobedient Judah? And Isaiah responds, Here I am. Send me. Send me. Isaiah 6, 8. Are you hearing the language between the Lord and Isaiah? It is the language of an evangelist. One who is being sent to Judah to repent. Then in our text comes the words of Isaiah upon the lips of Jesus in his situation as evangelist. And his church, we, the church, must take those same words as the evangelistic message into the world. As the church goes forward into the world with the gospel message of the kingdom, there are going to be those who will not perceive its redemptive meaning. There will be those who will hear but not understand. If they perceived and they heard the gospel in the manner that they came to understand it, then their hard hearts would have repented and they would have known forgiveness from sin. Instead, repentance, instead of repentance, the results are devastating for unbelief. First... Satan takes the word away in some people. Second, a person hears the word but cannot endure persecution. Thirdly, in terms of the illustration of the parable of the sower that Jesus gives, a person hears the word but cannot resist the seductive world of the flesh. Jesus' quotation of Isaiah serves a twofold purpose with respect to the parables and his teaching and preaching of the gospel. First, we are amid the supernatural revelation of our sovereign God's message of salvation. Jesus says that the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to those who are around him here in the context of the text. The verb given is passive. They did not initiate it or earn the precious gift of the kingdom. It is given to the twelve and the others by the divine choice of God's supernatural revelation disclosed to them. Simply put, they have been elected to receive this gift of redemption by grace in contrast contrast to the crowd. Furthermore, why does Jesus refer to the revelation of the gospel in his person and word as the secret of the kingdom in verse 11? Although the Greek word translated secret resembles our English word mystery, it is better to translate the word secret as something that has been hidden A secret that something is not divulged, told to someone. If someone has a secret, if somebody has a secret with somebody else, I have to tell you, it's a secret. You don't divulge it, right? You don't tell them what it is. But once the secret is told, it is not too hard to grasp and to understand. Note Jesus' explanation. He explains the secret of the kingdom in verses 13 through 20. And when you read that, you say, Oh, now I get it. Now I understand. So, what is the secret about the kingdom of God? that has been hidden, that has not been fully told or revealed in redemptive history. The connection between the specific reference of the secret hidden future kingdom of God in the Old Testament comes in the book of Daniel. This kingdom is beyond anything that can be conceived in babylon put yourself in the exile in babylon and david is seeing this vision about the future kingdom it's going to exceed anything you see right there before your own eyes concerning babylon It will also also be a kingdom that is beyond any comprehension in the minds of Judah while in exile. So even if they return to the land, this kingdom is going to be beyond that. What could it be? (laughs) What could this secret kingdom be? Beyond what I can see right now. Oh, yes, it is the day when the Son of Man, as Daniel tells us, the Ancient of Days, comes. A kingdom, the kingdom of blessing and judgment upon the plane of history will come. It will be here. And now in Christ, it has arrived. A kingdom of glory in which nations' languages serve him. You see Jesus fulfilling the great commission as evangelist. Indeed, Jesus and his word have everlasting dominion which cannot be destroyed. Daniel chapter 7. (laughs) Has there ever been a kingdom on the earth that cannot be destroyed? (laughs) What's Daniel seeing? Oh, this is really top secret (laughs) as to what's coming in Jesus. Second, concerning the purpose of the parable, our text echoes the voice of Paul that the twelve and the others are divinely chosen in order that the purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. Romans 9, verse 11. The secret of the kingdom is theirs, whereas the crowd is not chosen to receive this revelation. Nevertheless, all humanity who do not see, perceive, hear, and understand are responsible for their own free actions in rejecting the sower and his word. As we have noted in the past. The ground, the soil is cursed. Because of Adam's first action. To disobey God as the head of humanity. All humanity is in union with Adam's sin. All humanity is guilty and needs the gospel. All humanity is accountable for their sinful actions. But our text in Isaiah, quote, goes further about one's own accountability before God, Please look at the phrase in verse 12. Concentrate on this phrase. Lest they should turn. Lest they should turn. The verb form here, very important, denotes intentional action. Intentional action. Their action to refuse to repent and to be forgiven is intentional against Jesus and his word, which reveals the will of God. Church of Christ, this passage must not must not be offensive or terrible to any believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ indeed the Bible teaches that our triune God is sovereign over all things including the eternal destiny of believers and unbelievers. Yes. Jesus does teach predestination. With respect to his evangelistic gospel message. To the believer and the unbeliever. God's salvation of sinners. Is according to his independent and sovereign will. But the sower. Jesus. And his word. Also. Also teaches. That every human being. Is responsible. For all their sinful actions. And the call to repentance. O congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, please, please do not leave today without an incredible appreciation for the gospel, for the gospel, and allowing your heart to, Allow your heart to overflow with the knowledge and understanding of the free, the free gift of grace God revealed to you in the person of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't deny what the Holy Spirit has done in your heart to bring you to Jesus his sovereign act let the celebration in your hearts be boundless in terms of your gratitude in your life you (laughs) you are the harvesting, you are harvesting the fruits which the Spirit is bringing in abundance in you. Thirty fold, sixty fold, a hundred fold. Is it overflowing you yet? <laughs> That's what's happening. That's you. That's what the Spirit is doing. You are harvesting the fruits which the Spirit is bringing in abundance in you. Grace and peace as the apostolic blessing comes upon you this morning. Grace in peace in Christ's person and word is being multiplied multiplied to you and in you. Do you understand that in your life? Isn't the gospel, the gospel of Christ, your only, your only comfort in life? and in death. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we ask that we would truly understand who we are in light of the sovereign work of the triune God. Let us be the children who in our humbleness praise your name because we know we do not deserve such a rich gift of redemption, salvation, and reconciliation. We thank Thee, O Lord, for the Lamb of God who was slain for us. There is no hope, there is no salvation without His work and His will being performed upon us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we have to sing Amazing Grace, right? <laughs> so, number 460. <laughs> Let's turn to 460. Our great God and Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is profoundly upon our hearts today. We ask, O Lord, that you would continue to bless us as a congregation, as a people, with that marvelous grace in our hearts. We thank thee for Christ, that wonderful gift to us. And now, O Lord, We respond unto the gift of him coming into the world for us by giving of these tithes and offerings unto thee in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Let us worship our God with our tithes and offerings.